Deeply Disgusting Movie Podcast. Every week we discuss a movie and then one of us suggests the next movie for us to watch and discuss. All the movies are available from the major streaming services so that you can participate with us. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm joined this week by Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Alicia Walker. Hello. Christine Deacon. Hi. Josh Dean. Hello there. And Nathan McKinney. Hello. And this week we're going to be discussing... Uh, Josh's suggestion, The Killing, but first, what we've been watching lately. Uh, Alicia, let's start with you. What have you been watching lately? (laughs) Tough choice. So I watched on Netflix, Bob Ross, Happy Accidents, Betrayal, and Greed. So I grew up like a lot of people watching Bob Ross on PBS with my mom, and I would usually get drowsy in the middle of it and take a little nap. And uh, we would always talk about Titanium White and all the fantastic names of his paints that he used. And so I was very excited to check out the documentary uh, about his uh, life. And then it also had a lot to do with um, some not so great things that happened, especially that uh, essentially who were his two partners in, I guess you'd say his business. I mean, he essentially worked, you know, promoting. Yeah, there you go. His brand, his the partners that worked with him on that and, and eventually the marketing of his art supplies and things like that, um, basically took him to the cleaners. Uh, and the big thing having to do with the fact that after Bob, I don't think this is a spoiler alert, although a lot of people, I think, believe he's still alive, but Bob, Bob Ross died of cancer. And as he was essentially on his deathbed, uh, his partners tried to get his name and image and all that kind of stuff signed over to them. Uh, and although he didn't sign it over, they did eventually get it through the family is what I'll say. So anyway, it's it, it was really nice just to see a lot of the footage of him and especially see him interacting with his fans and art lovers and people that he worked with. And, and see, you know, a lot of it has to do with uh, his relationship with his son also, which is nice. But but it is, um, you know, it is interesting in a sad way in, in the fact that his family basically has nothing from all of the uh, renaissance, I guess, we're having of Bob Ross here lately with his image becoming kind of a kitschy thing all over the place. Um, and so anyway, it was it was an interesting documentary. So easy hour and a half uh, to watch, and I would recommend that uh, on Netflix. Yeah, I watched that too, and I don't know how long ago it came out, but I had like completely forgotten about it until you yeah. brought it up. Yeah, I had heard it when it first came out. Somebody mentioned it, and then I kind of forgot because summer got busy for us, and then we loaded up the Netflix again. I was like, oh, yes, I need to watch that. Yeah. Yep. Don't uh, don't start companies early with bad business partners. Yeah, sometimes you don't know till you're in, though. It's a problem. Buy them out as soon as you know you got something that works. <laughs> right, but he uh, just especially cared about if it's happy your clouds. He didn't right. care about that. Especially if it can if it contains the words your name and likeness. Right. Because then what are you supposed to do? I'm I'm not, I'm original Bob Ross. You want to watch me paint some stuff? You want to buy my paint? Yeah, crazy. Uh, Josh, how about you? Uh, I hope nobody's mentioned this before. I don't think they have. But on HBO Max, uh, Promising Young Woman has come out. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it uh, was 
not quite what I was expecting. The marketing leads you to believe it's going to be like a serial killer movie with a woman that sets up uh, guys that take advantage of drunk women. Um, I will say uh, she's got a master plan, though, and um, it's it's fascinating to watch unfold. Um, great uh, supporting cast, uh, Bo Burnham, Alison Brie, um, Alfred Molina uh, pops up. It's just, uh, uh, oh, um, Jennifer Coolidge and uh, Clancy Brown. Um, Is she a Cylon by any chance? A Cylon? Um, you said she had a plan. Oh, I... Just famously what the Cylons... Oh, I've never seen Battlestar Galactica. Nerd the alert. new one. So, oh. uh, My joke is wasted. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, Carrie Mulligan does an amazing job. And uh, it it goes on maybe a couple of beats too long, but uh, it's, it's a very good movie. I would recommend it. I will probably have to check that out at some point. I've been pretty impressed with everything I've seen Carrie Mulligan do recently. So... Absolutely. Um, there was that Netflix movie I saw earlier this year that was really great as well. So, um, yeah. Nathan, how about you? Well, we have been uh, jamming through as many of the Bond movies as we can to uh, get ourselves ready for the new one coming out, uh, which meant we had to mow our way through the worst of the worst, um, and that being the last two Pierce Brosnan movies. Um uh, which is no time to die, and no, that's the new one. Oh, I'm sorry, they're all die movies. So what can die I say? Die another day. Die another day, and the world ends tomorrow. The world is not enough. <laughs> the which world is, is not prior enough. to die another day. It's fine. They're it's terrible fine. movies. They don't deserve great titles. That way, it's all good. Um, I think it just you know the the Christmas character from uh, the 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 Christmas second Jones. to last the world Christmas Jones. Christmas only comes. Oh my! Once a year, yes. twice a year. Um, Did that hurt she your can, sensitive ears? It was no, no. I mean, all, all the lines <laughs> hurt my sensitive ears. The whole string of everything that came out of Bond's mouth was a line, and it was god awful. And we were talking with uh, Alicia's parents because they're Bond fans too, and they were we were talking about how bad the script was, but. We were talking about how, you know, even Roger Moore could pull off a bad line from time to time, make it seem sort of okay and cool, but uh, not so much with Pierce Brosnan. I don't know if it's just a lack of acting skill or if it's just because uh, I've seen him good in other things, but those those scripts did not do him any favors. Um, and uh, yeah, neither one of those movies is good. So I'm coming at you with a non-recommendation. Skip them. Okay. Do not watch the last couple of 90s James Bond movies. Um, Pass. Prior, prior to the Daniel Craig era. Yes. That, that will just keep going. It'll just keep on going. Guys. Well, let's put it this way. It's the, never coming out, that movie. Well, <laughs> the last of those, the one that features Madonna as a Bond girl. So that's, that's a winner. Uh, I had the only part that I can really focus on in my head is the stupid chase in the invisible car around the ice hotel. And I can't get how bad that thing is out of my head. I had completely forgotten. There's another 30 minutes after that in the movie. Um, but yeah, it's pretty bad. Lots of, lots of problems, um, with those films. Um, 
While we're at it, the Star Wars prequels are said to not be very good. <laughs> what? Um, so if you're talking about other movies from the from the late 90s period that uh, you might think about revisiting, the Star Wars prequels. Skip them. <laughs> uh, yeah. Aaron, how about you? Um, you know, I, I am going to second the Pierce Brosnan movies are terrible. Uh, I, that's, I all, it. that's all you got this week? <laughs> <laughs> I, I also watched Promising Young Woman, and it was really good. Um, so outside of Outside of that, I caught up on the TV show Evil, uh, which is on CBS. Um, it's it's a fine show. Like it, it's not anything that I'm gonna be like, oh my god, you got to go watch it. It's got an excellent cast, but uh, the story's kind of middling. Um, has to do with a. It, it, it's like X Files with religious subtext. Um, but it's it's fine. Uh, and that is what I have been watching. <laughs> <laughs> okay so it was 30 seconds and not 10 great christine how about you so i watched uh on hbo max the sopranos prequel movie many states of newark um yes and while i agree with some people that they fit way too much into a two-hour movie um i didn't hate it I enjoyed it, um, and that's good. Yes. That's a big question that we have on the the Dexter podcast. Uh, I guess the Dexter podcast Voltron that we have going now with this other group, <laughs> um, which is can the new Dexter make Dexter any worse? And so that's what I would ask you about the Sopranos. Does the movie make the Sopranos worse? No. Okay. It does not. I, I wouldn't know. Um, I watched, I think there's what, five seasons of it? Of I, Sopranos? I believe so, yes. I've watched, there was four, yeah. and then there was like an 18-month hiatus, and then the fifth season came out, if I remember correctly. I watched it every week through season four, and by the time season five came out, I didn't care, and I had never watched the that, fifth season that I have almost the exact same story. And I tried to get into season five. And if I recall correctly, kind of like breaking bad did they broke up season five into two halves. So you got one and then like a, another six months and then the other four oh, episodes came out. It. Yeah. And they did so many like deep explorations of Tony Soprano. Cause he's in a coma or something in that last season I completely fell off the the bandwagon. So it never finished it the final season of Roseanne. It. it didn't help that that was about <laughs> the same time I went for college, and so I didn't have access to the HBO. I think my parents even taped them for me. Oh my god! And I was like, and I just never watched them. See, I didn't even have to worry about that because I watched it all after it had already been on. Because <laughs> yeah. I didn't have HBO, so just went right through. Yep. Yeah. That's how I did it. I watched it last year during COVID, so mm. I I watched it all straight through. Well, that and I probably would have done that if I had watched it that way, but it was like that was one of the first like real prestige TV shows that right. everybody watched on Sunday night and talked yeah. about at work. So 
Christine, how fresh does the TV show need to be on your mind to get satisfaction from the movie, do you think? Um, I think it doesn't need to be fresh on your mind, but you do need to know it to like get satisfaction from the Basic movie. understanding of characters yeah. and, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you need to know, like, who the parents and uncles of these people would be. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, because it's like back in time. And you could go in without knowing that and just experience it as a film, but it's kind of kind of pointless. Yeah. It's like watching the, the movie of Downton Abbey and not watching the show. Right. Or El Camino. And why? Like, Serenity maybe pulled that off. Like, you didn't have to watch Firefly to enjoy Serenity, but... It was better if you did. Um, that just leaves me. Hey, guys. Uh, so I have been watching a lot of real bummer uh, current event true crime stuff that I'm not going to talk about here. Um, instead, um, in between watching that, just to give myself a, a little bit of a break and a little bit of comfort food, uh houses the the youtube channel for house has become completely excited about the fact that house is going to peacock um hint they're trying to sell you peacock uh so they've been releasing all of these crazy like like all of the patient event part of an episode in one like eight or nine minute chunk and those were like crack. I couldn't stop watching those once I started. And then I watched one of them and I was like, you know what? That episode's so good. I'm going to go and watch that episode. So I pulled it up on Amazon Prime and I watched that episode. And then I watched the rest of the series. And then I started again. So I could catch back up to where I'd come in this time. Because season four is my favorite and I started in the middle of season five. So, um, yeah, speaking of, of things that people probably already know, House is a pretty good show. You could watch that. It was very cathartic for me when I was working in IT to watch a guy do all the stuff that I wanted to do to my, my clients and employees all day at work. And he got to do it and get away with it. And uh, Yeah. House, M.D., that was a small coming soon to Peacock. I'm confused. This was the small break in between did, watching your true crime. The stuff? things that I'm not talking about. Yes, I, I see. Did we, small break. Did we get okay. sponsored? We <laughs> are we sponsored? <laughs> <laughs> We're sponsored by the new subscription service, Douchebag. <laughs> Order it every month, you'll get a special designer douche bag sent straight to your door. No more walking through Walgreens in shame. <laughs> no, get yourself a douche bag. Oh, God. So our movie uh, this week was uh, The Killing. Not to be confused with The Killing or the original or American versions of the TV show, The Killing. But The Killing Let's talk to people who had not seen this before. Let's start with Aaron. What did you think of Stanley Kubrick's 
1956. And like, it was a it was a trip because like I, I I got told it was a Stanley Kubrick film, and I forget that Stanley Kubrick was still making movies when he was 186. Um, and I turn it on, and it's like a 50s movie, and I'm like, oh dear God, what is this? Is a different Stanley Kubrick? Um, because it, it didn't it didn't have the same feel as the Stanley Kubrick movies that I'm acquainted with. Um, but I guess that's kind of the beauty of Stanley Kubrick's films. Like nothing is the same. Um, I everybody I actually, starts somewhere. I actually thought the movie was pretty good. Um, had a, had a decent cast for the day. Had Johnny Guitar as Johnny Clay. Um, and I thought it compared positively to Ocean's Eleven, which came out a few years later. Um, which similar. Um, I I thought it was a good movie. Um, the character of Sherry stole the show for me. Uh, Marie Windsor played her perfectly. Like mm-hmm. she was she was so sleazy and wonderful. Like ev- everything she said, I just absolutely loved. Like the scene where she is a. Uh, Oh Johnny, like you must not know me very well. I would never let him buy a cigar. It was it, it was freaking hilarious. There's uh, a shot of her where the camera is like in bed with her. Like she's sitting on the bed, but the camera is like butt level and it's like shooting over her leg at the guy. It's like this is pretty damn suggestive for the 50s. Uh pretty pretty insane stuff that's going on because that scene came on and i was like why am i drawn to her so much oh it's because the camera's right on her leg it's like (laughs) they framed the whole shot with her body so and i mean they they do it kind of again when um when she gets caught snooping around and gets knocked out and then johnny confronts her uh the the camera is is suggestive and even the way she acts the scene is very suggestive um it it was just i i thought her character really sold it for me like she she was a great uh stick in the spokes like she was it was great I, i i loved it and uh i thought it was a pretty good movie i'd watch it again I want to hear the stick in the spoke metaphor that starts with cock. <laughs> I wasn't going to say cock. I was going to say cog, but you know, oh, all right. It, it was all very suggestive. So cock wasn't out where you stopped. It was unclear. Um, so that's good. Now I know that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, I go to Alicia next. What did you think? I thought it was all good fun. I really liked it. Uh, It's so, it's so noir. It's uh, like almost tips over into farcical noir. Like there's a lot of stuff that like you, you know, think somebody's going to be like, go get the name, see? And like all this, you know, like some of the talk is very much like that. And of course, you know, like Erin mentioned, Sherry it's fantastic. Like, oh, could she be a problem? Could yeah, she the be? The third act is basically uh, an unfinished airplane script. 
Yeah, I mean, it could have really gone over. I mean, uh, so much so. And you can see, you can totally see all the seeds for Dr. Strangelove. Like, mm-hmm. all these little things were reminding me of Dr. Strangelove later where they do take it past that point. And of course, you know, Sterling Hayden is, you know, a great part of that. But, you know, when they're doing the, you know, they're doing giving a timestamp to everything, you know, like Friday, 9.35 p.m., so-and-so pulls up to the motor Cade Hotel or what you know what I mean when they're doing all mm-hmm. this and you have that a little bit too in Dr. Strangelove because they've taken all those kinds of you know movies and TV you know, kind of dragnet kind of stuff that comes later you know all that kind of stuff and taken the serious and then made it into you know the the satire and farce that that Dr. Strangelove is so you can see where he's going with that later and kind of the roots of that which is a lot of fun uh, but lots of, I mean, it was still riveting. I mean, I, I wasn't really laughing. I mean, I was thinking some things were very, you know, textbooky kind of let's build a noir film, but at the same time, everything was pretty engaging and I wanted to see how they pulled it off and, you know, and, and all the characters are pretty good. I, I, I like the characters, they're distinctive, but they're not distinctive. Like, you know them enough, but not too, this is not a big character study. It's all about, you know, are they going to pull off this heist and all this kind of stuff, which was good. I also got super excited for a minute because I thought I saw George the Animal Steal because the guy that they hired to go and get all crazy at the bar, I was like, I swear to, as soon as he took his shirt off and I saw the hairy back, I was like, oh my God, it's it's George the Animal Steal. And I was like, I think this guy's, he can't be that he old. He wasn't big enough to be, uh, to be Tor Johnson. God, I don't that's know. That's who I thought it was. Really? See, I thought for sure. And, and, you know, and so then I'm looking him up and I was like, oh, this guy was a wrestler, but, and also a champion chess player, apparently. And he got into, he died getting in a fight outside the chess club, chess and checkers. I thought, I got in a whole rabbit hole. It was fascinating, but not George the Animal Steel, to my disappointment. Anyway, still super satisfying, back hair and all. Really enjoyed it. Uh, would would like to watch it again, but you know, it's it. I think I'd see more things that I would be interested in more, maybe, and I wouldn't focus as much on the plot next time. Uh, but yeah, I two thumbs up. Okay, Christine, how about you? Yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. I liked like, everybody was talking about Sherry. She was really interesting, and uh, the her the guy that she's cheating on her husband with. Uh, we were talking about how he looks just like, um, oh my God, I just had to, what were we saying? Mark Ruffalo. Yes, that's it. Oh. Okay, sorry, yes. Here we he go again. Like, yes. No, no, I hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just keep on giving a shit about that. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, but he, he does look just like Mark Ruffalo. And um, so uh, we were talking about that and then it, was a great turnaround uh when they uh when he came and just started uh shooting up everybody in there and then uh Johnny just immediately like ran out of there with the money and everything and uh I like the ending where like just the money's everywhere and the, yeah the- I wrote down <laughs> Stanley Kubrick knows how to throw money at the screen yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes um so that was that was fun it was like okay so they're just gonna let the money just fly that's good well and that's Um, so great because like (laughs) you're really rooting for them kind of at the end to see if he can pull this off after all this stuff's gone wrong and then that happens you're like no and i'm like why am i upset about this but (laughs) yeah exactly 
Exactly. So that was good. Um, and then the girl that he's with at the end that you see like one time before at the very beginning and you're like, okay, so she's like real disappointed even though she like seems terrified about the whole thing at the beginning and you're <laughs> she's just like, okay, so we're not getting this money and you're going to go back to jail. So what am I going to do? That kind of thing. It's Sucks like, for you, man. Yeah. Well, exactly. you know, as she said, she's not pretty and she's not smart. So what has yeah. she got? All she's got exactly. is him. Exactly. And he's not making it out of prison. No. God. That guy's done. Yeah, that was the much. most depressing thing. She was like, I'm ugly and I'm stupid. And nobody will ever love me. I Please know, don't leave you know, me. I was like, holy all shit. All the guys are turning their heads yeah. looking at her at the airport. I'm like, okay. I think uh, I messaged Josh at the beginning when the, when she said all that. I was like, self-deprecating woman, that's Kubrick for you. <laughs> yeah, she's playing the archetype of the woman who goes for the bad boy because he makes her feel special and yeah. nobody else does. Yeah. So, uh, Nathan, how about you? Uh, this is I've I've actually owned this movie for a long time. Uh, I became a big fan of Kubrick way back in the day, like pretty much everybody else, and started to explore some of his earlier stuff. And this has always been one that kind of like doesn't feel quite like a Kubrick movie in the way most of his other movies do. Even like Lolita kind of has a certain something about it that feels like Kubrick. Where this one is just like it's just kind of film noir. I do think there's some great shots in it, though, um, and there's some great visual things going on in this movie, like the mask that the uh, the Johnny character kind of puts on at one point. As you yep. said, there's some good angled shots, not just the one where the camera's sitting on her leg, but like where he's kind of coming out of the shadows, some things like that that really kind of add to the the just the visual flair of the movie. Um, I, I believe Kubrick was just a straight-up photographer before he was um, a director. Mm -hmm. So he's always been good at the visuals, so that's kind of a nice uh, through line for him. Um, and, of course, the casting's pretty much dead on with this movie. All the characters are really good. I think my favorite is... Um, it's Is it Val Cannon that plays... Uh, What's her the the Weasley little guy that? Oh, that's oh no, it's Elijah Cook. Elijah Cook Jr. Mm -hmm. I think he's probably my favorite in there. Just he's he's perfectly Weasley, but in barely sticking up for himself with all of her insults. Uh, there was one line, well, in there and he gets his revenge at the end. Yes, well, sure they get they they do each other in. So there you go. Um, but the uh, the line that stuck in my head when they were she was hurling all these insults at him and there's one that just kind of like sat there like a dead pancake he says something about oh i've come across something really really sweet and she just goes a candy bar <laughs> 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 and like it, it's just kind of like this this like she the, turned into forrest gump for a minute like well the, the whole dialogue is so like for especially for a Stanley Kubrick movie, because you know he's all about the slow pacing later on in his career. This is like snappity, snappity, snap. It's, I mean, it's a West Wing, basically. Uh, Aaron Sorkin could have written this sucker. Um, but uh, yeah, that one line just kind of sat there like a dead fish. And 
But I, but I, I love this movie. I mean, I've always kind of loved it for what it is. It's, it's campy. The, you kind of mentioned, uh, I think you referenced, uh, Tor Johnson. I, I have always felt like this one felt a little bit like a, like a plan nine from outer space kind of thing or something. I think the, the over done nar- well. <laughs> the narration is, is a little bit of a dead ringer for that or Glenn and Glenda or something like that. It just kind of has that not quite nuanced just like we're just playing it by the book as far as this is a film noir we're going to kind of just do this but it's it's like one of the quintessential film noirs so there you have it it's fun to watch yeah so um i'm the last of the people uh to review it before we get to josh uh so um yeah my only note was the thing about throwing money at the screen um i've seen this movie a lot of times um I I have a weird just sort of hit and miss thing with with Kubrick movies and a lot of them kind of phase in and out of whether I like them or not. Um, sometimes I like the ones that I see the first time I like them and then not other times or vice versa. It's just sort of a weird I guess I have to be in the right mood for the right film. Um, but this one's uh it, it goes by really fast. There's so much action going on um, almost to the point where you cannot tell what's going on. A lot of the time Um, you're not really introduced to characters. Characters don't have really characterization so much as they, they have appearances. Um, So it, it sticks with the, it sticks with that to kind of get you through, but it doesn't matter because it's just, breathlessly moving you along anyway um you're just gonna either follow the story or not um and actually to the point where uh the studio did not like the cut of this movie um and they really didn't like the non-chronological stuff that goes on toward the end and they had them re-edit the movie to be in all chronological order did not help at all and then they switched back to the way we have it now. Um, I think it's really bizarre to me because it does not feel like a cohesive noir. It feels like just pastiches of things. It's like, I want to, I want to have this happen in a scene in a movie. How can I set that up to weave that in? And those, that sort of seems to be the, the way it's done. It's like, watching someone who learned to dance from like the feet on paper steps and they don't know like what they're supposed to do as far as movement. Otherwise, um, just so fast, um, so quickly edited, but I can appreciate that because I don't want to see a three hour long version of this story. It's not a very long, it's not a very complicated story when you break down to it, like the IMDb synopsis is four words. It's like shit happens. That's, that's the movie. Um, a bunch of shit happens. So, um, not my favorite of the Kubrick movies. Um, definitely not my least favorite either. Uh, I just, I think it's, uh, very much a study of an artist's work in progress and self-realization in progress that this movie leads into Dr. Strangelove leads into some of his, you know, more lauded and appreciated 
work after this. Um, it doesn't help with new audiences that it's a black and white film. I know I suffer from that bias where for the longest time I haven't really gone after black and white movies. Like I sort of will if I, if that's the only way and it's like a really classic movie, I'll watch it. But, um, you know, given the choice, I don't, I don't really care for it. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the audio quality too. Uh, if I can't hear the soundtrack for something very well, like if it's something from the thirties where it's like a whole room full of people and one microphone in the ceiling and they're just like, so what are you saying? Um, that kind of stuff. I can't, I just, I just can't. Um, better than Ocean's Eleven. I don't know about that. Um, yeah, there was something else I took issue with that somebody said, and I can't remember it now. But uh, candy bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. But that leads me to ask. Josh, what the hell, man? Why did we watch The Killing? This one. <laughs> this particular killing. Yes. Uh, of all the killings I could choose from. Um, again, uh, well, as everybody said, Stanley Kubrick, I think there's an interest in seeing where he came from. And uh, the kind of proto-Nolan-esque uh, time screwing that this movie does. I really enjoy that, um, that aspect of it. Uh, at the very beginning when the voiceover starts, I was like, oh crap, I forgot there's a voiceover in this movie, but it becomes absolutely essential by the end of the movie to figure out what's <laughs> going on. Yes. Yeah. Um, the Elisha Cook, uh, I really enjoy him in this movie. Um, just spineless and uh, wonderful. Um, also, did anybody pick up that Unger, the financer guy, was in love with Johnny? Probably. Um, he's like, let's just the two of us go away to an island yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And I was like, oh. I gave that a thought. I did. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is pretty bold for the 50s, I feel like, um, the, the subtext. Um, the, uh, the guy who talks through his teeth the whole time uh, and is the uh, master marksman. Uh, <laughs> I love that character. Um, <laughs> and, and, and racial relations manager. Uh, race, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw really? that. Yeah. The first time I watched it, I was like, oh, no, this is going bad places. Yeah. <laughs> he's just saying what he needs to say to get rid of the guy yeah. so he can take the shot. Like, that's that's the only reason he's doing that. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah. But, to me, what's more shocking about that sequence is the violence Mm -hmm. that comes out of nowhere where he just gets shot yeah. by somebody off screen. Mm -hmm. You're like, what? what? Like we were learning about that character and mm -hmm. he's just, they just take him out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Violence in particular, I think is, is pretty like I, I talked about um, sexual uh, controversy in the movie, but, uh, but violence that, that scene of the bloodbath where it just lingers over every face and, well, and getting it, it, shot in the face, all the... It, well, and everybody like, must have had a pistol trained on everybody all at once, and they went like that, because it's the actual gun battle like is one shot long. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a like, Mexican bang, bang. standoff. It's <laughs> a Mexican dead. standoff. 20 people died, and a woman down the street <laughs> that the guy limped over to and killed before he died. Not the parrot, though. The parrot is okay. The parrot, the parrot yeah, the parrot's fine. Save the parrot. Yep. Uh, the parrot, which was... 
uh, obviously voiced by a man. <laughs> sure. I was so waiting for like at the end the cops to show up and the parrot like spills the beans. <laughs> Money in a suitcase. <laughs> like something like that, you know? <laughs> Just gives the whole plot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, the ending, the first time I saw this too, the ending blew me away and just how fast it ends. Just there goes the money and he's fucked and we're done. We're yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's no denouement. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I just enjoy this film as a film noir and as a heist movie. I'm in the bag for heist movies. Um, I think we were saying better than the original Ocean's Eleven, right? Okay. That's what he said. All right. Um, so I would, I don't know. I like mm. I like uh, this one just a little bit more than the original. But um, the Soderbergh Ocean's Eleven, I like more than maybe this. Um, oh, also Jim Thompson's involvement with this uh, I thought was fascinating. He wrote The Grifters. Has anybody seen The Grifters? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great movie, too. And uh, just... Uh, when I saw he was involved in writing the script, I was like, oh, okay, I'm all in. Um, this is going to be a, at least an entertaining movie, if nothing else. So that's why I picked it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I am glad that Kubrick made this film in his career and that it wasn't like resurrected after his death by some other director. Hmm. Um, if he did that, it'd be terrible. <laughs> You'd have something like, I don't know, AI. Um, <laughs> So, yeah. Um, well, Nathan, it is your turn to suggest the next movie. What would you like for us to watch? Um, I'm in the mood to watch some Pedro Almodovar. So I'm going to recommend we watch Julieta, which is described in IMDb as after a casual encounter, a brokenhearted woman decides to confront her life and the most important events about her stranded daughter. All right. Sounds interesting. Well, thanks everybody for the discussion on the killing. We'll see you on the next Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast.